battle is not against the opposing party. Your battle is not against the person that you, that looks like your enemy right now. Your enemy is bigger than that. Your battle is against spiritual wickedness, forces in the heavenly places. You see, when we focus in the flesh and we focus on the world and we look at people as our enemy, people as our problem, the very people we should be reaching out to and trying to win for the Lord, you know, we're playing checkers when we ought to be playing chess. I hope you're hearing that. We're playing checkers when we ought to be playing chess. The people that we can't stand are people we should be praying for. The people that we can't stand or the people that we have a hard time relating to are the very ones whom we should be asking God to give us a heart to minister to them and to reach them with the gospel. Because God loves them just as much as he loves you. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so, because we have those enemies that are more powerful than us in our human frailty, we need to be armored up with the armor of God so that we can walk in the victory that we have over them in Christ, in the strength of God. And so, we went through all the armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, our gospel shoes, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. And going into verse 18, it says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So, you know what? Prayer is what makes all of those armor pieces effective, effectively work. Are you hearing me? Prayer is intricately involved in all of that. Because we should be praying at all times. In the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, all requests, all petitions before God. To that end, he goes on to say, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. All the saints, not just the ones in your church, not just the ones in your denomination. All the saints. And also for me, Paul says, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Those who would boldly proclaim the word of God, you should be praying for them. In the spirit. Praying in the spirit. What does that mean? Well, before we get into what it means, let's get one thing straight. First, you cannot pray in the spirit unless you are born of the spirit. John chapter 3 verses 3 through 6 say this. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so we have to come to God through salvation in Jesus Christ. And once we come to Christ and he's our Lord and Savior, we are born again. We are born of the spirit. We have the spirit of God. And, and that is the helper that Jesus, when he went to be with the Father, he sent for us so that we can be guided by him. We can be led into all truth. We can be convicted of sin. He can lead us into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
So we cannot do this thing without the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is important, and we have a relationship with him. We have access to God through the Holy Spirit, okay? And the Holy Spirit's work must be done, and we're going to have to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in order for us to walk with God, in order for us to to to, to walk in righteousness in order for us to fulfill the purpose and plan of God for our lives. For his glory. You know, uh, it, it's not a, it, it's a pretty common uh, Bible study topic to talk about prayer and what prayer is. You know, and I try to make it as simple as possible, you know, and I, I tell people, simply put, prayer is communicating with God. Communication is important in any relationship. Any married couple will tell you that. Any person who has uh, family members will tell you that. If you have good, healthy communication, you typically have good, healthy relationships. If you have poor communication, you typically have poor relationship. So relationship suffers when there is a lack of healthy communication. And we have to understand that that is true even in our relationship with God. So let's get into it a little bit. One thing I think is important for it to for us to play in the pray in the spirit would be that understand that it must be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Our prayer must be inspired by and directed by the Holy Spirit. Not coming from our flesh, not coming from our carnal understanding, not coming from what we want to happen without regard to what God's will and desire is. Okay? It has to be Directed and inspired by Holy Spirit. And we must allow God's Holy Spirit to control us. Ephesians 5 verses 17 and 18 say this, say this. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. All right? That he wants us to be filled, full of the Spirit. That means we don't just give mental assent to the Holy Spirit. We are spending time with, we're full with, we're intimate. We have relationship. We are communicating in prayer. We are inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts. We're inviting the Holy Spirit into our situations, acknowledging that Holy Spirit has been sent down here, fully knowing the will of God, and he wants to reveal the truth of God's will to us, the truth of God's word to us, what God is doing in the earth and how we can cooperate with that. Now, there's going to be some bumps along the road. And there's going to be times when our desires are going to conflict with God's. And we're going to have to deal with that. And we'll talk about this a little later in the message and so forth. But, but when that happens, we have to resolve in our hearts that the preeminent thing here is the will of God. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? What is God's will? How is he working? And what is my role here? How can I cooperate with the will of God? So the, so praying in the Spirit allows, is praying in a way that the Holy Spirit directs. That's one thing. Praying in the Spirit also involves praying in agreement with the Word of God. Now, in verse 17, it says that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. Doesn't it? It's the sword of the Spirit, the weapon of warfare of the Spirit. So, the Spirit is not going to operate outside of the Word of God. First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, and I'm going to have to turn there. First John chapter 5, 
verses 14 and 15 say this. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. How many of you know his word is his will? His word, the sword of the spirit, is the will of our heavenly father. And so, if we want to be effective, if we want to be effectual in our prayers, then we're going to have to know his word. And we're going to have to pray his will, which is pray his word. Are you hearing me? If we do pray his will, pray his word, he hears us. Isn't that amazing how that works? He hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. All right, you want to be effective in prayer? You want answered prayers? Then your focus should be on discovering the heart of God. Your, your focus should be on reading and learning and meditating on the word of God. So that when you pray, you're praying his word. Okay, you're wielding the sword, the spirit, the sword of the spirit. Forgive me, easy for me to say. You're wielding the sword of the spirit. And so we need to be more desirous that God's will be done than our will be done. It says that God will give us the desires of our hearts, you know, but that's not as a substitute for his will, though. I just wanted to go ahead and say that. And so, uh, James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. James chapter 4. Verses 2 and 3 say this. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Man, he, it's, like he's, it's like he's living in our times. But here it goes. We're gonna, here's where I really want to start. You do not have because you do not ask. So if we're not praying, how can we hope to get the answers do what we need. All right. But you have not because you ask not. Verse three, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. You ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. And so the prayer is self-centered. Our motives are self-propelling rather than elevating the will of God. Right. And so we're asking with wrong motives. And if that is the case, Okay, then we're not going to be effective in our prayers. What we're praying for does not produce the will of God for his glory. We're asking God to put a stamp of approval on our own vision, on our own plan, on our own desires. And that is not how the children of God uh, uh, are to pray. That would not be praying in the spirit to do that. And, and uh, finally, on this second point of praying in the Spirit, remember I said it has to be dependent on the Holy Spirit as the, the first part of praying in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is running the show. The Holy Spirit is leading and directing us. We're walking in the Spirit, okay? We're being led by the Spirit, okay? We are communicating with God in the Spirit. And so we're not just praying to God and just giving him a list of, of to-dos, Okay, it's a mutual back and forth communication. We're pouring out our heart to God, but we're also specifically endeavoring to hear the heart of God. God, speak to me. Okay, what in my life is not in order and not in accord with your will for my life? What are the things in my life, Father God, that I need to relinquish in order that I might have you in, in a greater portion, in order that I may walk with you in a deeper and more intimate way. See, so, you know, just like a husband and wife, it can't just be one-sided with one side always giving and the other always taking. So we're going to God realizing that, you know what, I do have some desires. I have some petitions. I have some things I would like for you to do, God, if it is your will to do them for me. But you know, Lord, I'm not just coming to you with the list of desires and needs. I, I'm coming here to commune with you. I'm coming here to fellowship with you. I'm coming here to communicate two ways 
to bear my heart and to hear your heart. And, 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 and it's my desire that, that your heart and my heart be in sync with your will. And where they diverge, give me the grace, Father God, to yield to your will over mine. And so that's one. And two, I just said, praying in agreement with the word of God. Let's go to um, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 30. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 30. And it says this, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. You know, we don't always know what to pray for. If you're like me, I don't always know what to pray for. All right. Especially when something unexpected happens and it's, it's not something that's ever been in my playbook before. So I don't have necessarily a go to scripture for it or or, you know, it's just something that's difficult for me to get my head around. You know, the Bible says here that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. How many of you have ever prayed and you spent a lot of that time just groaning or, you know, unintelligible words? You just didn't even know. You just sat there and you hummed or you just groaned. You just, that you, you, you couldn't even express what it was that was going on in here. You couldn't even collect your thoughts well enough to say a cogent prayer at that time. And you might have said, you may have said, made noises. You may have made grunts. You may have hummed. You may have done some things that it seems like it was nonsensical. I don't want you to dismiss that because the Holy Spirit may have been interceding for you through those unintelligible sounds that you were making groans too deep for words and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God that's one thing you need to know about the Holy Spirit okay he's only going to intercede for you according to the will of God the Father so we can pray repeatedly and fervently over and over and over again for something that is not the will of God, guess what? It's not going to be interceded for by the Holy Spirit. And, and therefore, it is likely not, it's not going to happen. Now, you can make it. You can try and make it happen. But don't expect God's grace and God's presence to be with you in that. Okay? And, there, and it will be a pathway that leads to destruction. Okay, I don't want the pathway to destruction. I want God's pathway. I want to know what his will is for my life. I want to walk therein and fulfill his call on my life. I want God to be glorified in me and through me. And I believe you all want the same thing. And so this word is very important to us. You know, as we're putting on all of our armor, we have to be prayerful all the time in all situations. We need to be prayerful because we need to be downloading what the will of God is in all those situations so that when we move, we're moving in his will. And as long as we're in his will, the enemy can't touch us. The enemy is powerless. The enemy is helpless. The enemy's defeated. You hear me? And so I'm going to, I'm going to keep on rolling here. So the Holy Spirit only intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We serve a good God. All right. So all things will work together for the good, no matter how bad they start. If we stay in God, they'll work out for our good. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That takes me to the next thing that's important in praying in the Spirit. And it says it right there 
in verse 18, we must pray at all times in all situations. I, I actually put here, pray every day and in all situations. And I know there are some things we feel like, you know what, we don't even have to pray about that. I, I, I'll let you, I'll, I, I'll just let you and God deal with that. But I, all I can do is tell you what the word of God says. All right. It says in all situations, in all things, we ought to be praying in the spirit at all times. And that all prayer and all supplication should be done in the spirit. Not in the flesh. Not in the carnal mind. In the spirit. And I'm sure uh, what praying in the spirit means is more comprehensive than what I'm covering tonight. Uh, but I'm, I'm covering what, I, what I'm led to cover here. And so number three. We pray, pray every day in all situations. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, tells us to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Romans 12 verse 12 says this, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And one of my favorite passages, Philippians well, this is one verse of my favorite passage. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. All right? So, in everything. And then I'm reminded of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus himself was diligent and faithful in prayer. Luke 5 verse 16 says of Jesus that Jesus often withdrew depending on your translation. Some translations say to the wilderness. The translation I'm reading now is the NIV. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In other words, he often withdrew to secluded places. Or he could be off to himself, set apart, and it just be him and God. Now, he did this with people draped all over him. He did this when he was in high demand. People heard about him uh, uh, delivering people from demon possession. He heard about him opening blind eyes and deaf ears. They heard about him laying hands on the sick and they were being made well and raising the dead. So people were clamoring after him. You know, he had an opportunity to be a rock star. He could have allowed the demand on him to, 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 to make him deviate from the plan of God and, and soak in the adulation. But even in the midst of those highs, with all those lives that he was impacting in a great and magnificent way, the one thing that remained constant, he often got off to himself. Even when they were begging for him, even when they were uh, searching for him and wanted him to, and, and chasing after him, wanting him to come with them, he would slip away, go to a quiet place and pray. And it says he did that often. So he was fervent and faithful and diligent in prayer. And in Luke 18 verse 1 says that Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So Jesus told them a parable. And the moral of it is always be diligent in prayer. Do not refrain from it. Do not turn away from it. Do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. Do not allow hopelessness and discouragement to deceive you into giving up in prayer, you know, and it goes on, you know, just to paraphrase the, uh, the parable, uh, 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 there is this woman who goes to this unjust judge is what the Bible calls him. And she had been aggrieved and she wanted justice. And this judge 
He didn't fear God. He had no respect for man. He didn't have a moral compass. So he was not going to do the right thing just because it was the right thing to do. If there was something in it for him, he could be motivated to do it. But this woman didn't have enough in order to motivate him. And so uh, I believe this widow knew she was dealing with the judge who lacked a moral compass. But she also knew that he was the only one who could grant her justice. I also believe that's why she was so persistent. If she could not rely on his moral integrity, then she would wear him down with her persistence. She made it clear. The judge would either give her justice or he would have no peace of mind because she was not going anywhere. She was not going away. And then Jesus finished it by saying, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And so, you know, he said, will we be as persistent in prayer? Okay, will we be patient? Will we patiently wait on the Lord to answer the prayer in his timing? Or will we get discouraged and give up that when he's finally ready to move, there is no one there praying in faith anymore. We've moved on because we've given up and, and, and forgotten about the faithfulness of God. Let that not be us, church of God. Let that not be us. Let us be fervent and continual in prayer, fully trusting and believing in the faithfulness of our God. Let's not try to put God on our timetable. All right, let's be open to his timetable and allow him to work as he wants to work in the timing that he wants to work. And whenever he moves, we're still there like the persistent widow. We're still there praying in the things of God because we know that we know that we know this is the will of God. We know because we spend time with him. We know because we fellowship with him. We have intimate relationship with him. We spend time with him daily. We're in his word. We know what his word says. We know what his promises are. And we stand on those promises. Hallelujah. And so, John uh, 16, verses 13 through 15 say this. And Jesus, as he's uh, uh, speaking to his disciples, he says this. When the Spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit speaks. He's speaking God's will. He's speaking God's word. The things that are to come, the Holy Spirit is speaking, okay? And it is our responsibility to incline our ears to the Holy Spirit, all right? We want to know what God is doing in the earth, then we need to put in some quality time with God. We need to put in some quality time in his word. We need to put in quality time in the spirit, amen? But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for I will take what is mine, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And I want to conclude with number four. And to get into number four, well, I will say it first. We need to be totally desirous of and yielded to the will of God in whatever matter you're praying about. I've already alluded to that when covering some of the first three. But if we're going to pray in the spirit, the last of the four things I have for you tonight is to be totally desirous of and yielded to the will of God in whatever matter you're praying about. And there's no better example of this than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And let's go to Mark chapter 14. Starting at the 32nd verse. 
Mark chapter 14, starting at the 32nd verse. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just to show you how far we've come, I still remember the first sermon I ever preached. I was so nervous. Uh, I had a home court advantage. I was in front of everybody that knew me, and still I was petrified. And even though I knew how to pronounce Gethsemane, I still remember like it was yesterday when I pronounced it Gethsemane. I look up on it and chuckle, but I, oh my goodness, I, I was scared. I, I don't exactly know why, but uh, but uh, I'm sure there are some people out there who's had their first sermon uh, who can relate uh, to that story. And even if it wasn't a sermon, it could have been a speech. It could have been, you know, a speaking engagement that you had and you have never spoken in front of people. But I just want you to know it happens to to the people of God as well, who are called to <laughs> preach the word of God to you. Um, I won't call it Gets Maine today, but uh, it's starting in verse 32. It says, and they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. So you can begin. Jesus knew that he had been betrayed. He knew his hour had come and that he was about to bear the sins of the whole world. That, that his last hours, his last day on this earth was going to be the most excruciating, most uh, degradating, uh, uh, most uh, painful uh, existence until his death that had ever been experienced. And so here he is, his soul is sorrowful, his soul is grieved. And so he brings his closest disciples in to him and he wants to invite them into the moment you know, let's get a little moral support here. Let's get, I want you guys to come in here and come into this world, in this circle with me. Bear this with me in prayer. Just, just, just to be someone I can lean on. I've got to go through this, but I'm, I'm going to need somebody to, to kind of lean on and, 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 and help me as I uh, stand strong in this. But he says, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Jesus knows that this was his purpose. Jesus knows that he has to suffer, bleed, and die for our sins. But he also knows that throne of grace before his father. He knows the omnipotence of the heavenly father. And so he, he does what we ought to do. You know, when God speaks to us and he tells us to do something and it's a hard thing, maybe we have to humble ourselves and, and admit that we were wrong about something. And we've made a public spectacle of someone who was a friend or a confidant or something of us. And, and we just really messed it up. And that person's life has been damaged or hurt in some way. All right? And God is moving on us to go do the right thing. And it's a hard thing to do. We're going to have to really humble ourselves in this, you know? And so we wish there was another way. We wish that everything could just be all right and we didn't have to do what we have to do. Jesus is our example of what to do in that moment. So he makes a petition. We may in that time make a petition. God, do I have to? I, I really don't want to do this. Do I have to do this or that and the other? Let me tell you something. If God has already confirmed, has already spoken that you are to do something, and you get into this moment and you're asking him 
Do I have to? Is there any other way, Lord? And you don't hear anything? That's an answer. Okay? That's an answer. No, there's not another way. My will is for you to do what I've already spoken to you that I want you to do. Uh, so our Lord and Savior here asked the, the, the question, is there any other way? He asked if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Okay? There's a part in my flesh, you know, uh, uh, in my humanity. I don't want to have to go through this. If there is any other way, all things are possible to you, God. I ask you to remove this cup from me. That's what I'm asking, but I'm still yielded and submitted to you, and I'm desirous that your will be done above all things. So if your will is still that I go through this, your will be done then, Father, not mine. That's an example for us. That's part of praying in the Spirit. Let's go on. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed and saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. So that's the second time. He's being persistent, like the persistent widow. He's being persistent. And he came the third time. So he did it three times, praying to God for that cup to pass. And each time he prayed it, he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. You know, there's a, a, a another passage, uh, Luke, where it says that an angel came and ministered and strengthened him after this time because he, as he prayed, it, 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 he was so, it was so stressful. It was such a burden that his, he sweat as if it were great drops of blood. And so he has felt the anguish. He has felt the pain and the stress that we undergo. And yet, even in his weak moment there, he modeled for us how to honor God in it. That God is not offended. God is not afraid of us, of hearing our prayers. Um, he's not judging us as we come up to that time of decision. That, that, that epic moment where it's sink or swim where it's either we're going to burn to death in this furnace or God's going to save us. Once, you know, there's no in-between. There's no lukewarm. It's hot or cold. I could have success here or I can go up in flames. And when we come up to there, when we, we come up to God in prayer and we're asking for the easier road, God's not judging us for that. He's, he's, he's filled with compassion and understanding. His grace and his tender mercies are there and he's extending that to us in abundance. So don't, don't judge yourself and don't worry about how God is viewing you when you're in that difficult time of decision and you're struggling with it. Even though deep down you know the will of God, but are you a bad person because you you're not jumping on it and, and, and running with it and doing God's will immediately? I would say that does not make you a bad person. And um, and we learn from Jesus and later on from Paul when he prayed three times that God would remove that thorn from him. That, that, that God isn't angry at us when we pray to him and, and, and we begin, we specifically ask for God, do we have to? God, do I have to? 
Sometimes you have to get through that process in order to get that strength and that inner peace to do the thing that God's called you to do. What's important is that you're taking steps toward God, that you're taking steps toward doing the will of God. Praise God if you're that person that God's at, that God asks to do the hard thing and you run into it with, with, with both feet, you jump into it and you run with all your might into it, streaming hallelujah the whole time. But you know, a lot of people are going to have to work through some things internally. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you that you have a tender-hearted Heavenly Father that will be there with you in that time of, and moment of struggle, that will minister graciously to you in love. Just don't give up. Persist. When you're asking God, making that petition, Asking you if there's another way, always yield to and be desirous of his will. But Father God, this is what I'm asking of you. But Father God, if your will is to do it another way, if it's your will that I must go through this, then not my will. My will doesn't matter. Yours matter. And so I yield to you in this, Father God. And then if the harder road turns out to be God's answer, then be thankful. Be thankful. Be obedient. And praise him all the same. You know why I am so grateful? Uh, I'll, I'll end with this. I am so grateful that the Bible leaves nothing out. The, the, the Bible did not have to pull back that curtain and let us peek into that moment of vulnerability and struggle of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Did not have to do it. But I'm glad that it did because it encourages me. It strengthens me in my own weak moments. My, to know and remember that my Savior was right at this point, at one point. And I can remind myself of how he handled it and how he made it through. And you know what thing it does, it, how it ministers to me the most? I'll finish in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Familiar passage of scripture. And it says this, For we do not have a high priest, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, with our weaknesses. We have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I don't know about you, but it comforts me to know that my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gets me. <laughs> he gets me. He can relate to what I'm going through. He can relate to how I feel in the midst of what I'm going through because he faced the same tests the same temptation. He wore the same flesh. He had the same mental anguish and, and, and agony. He felt the pain that we can feel, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. He went through it all, just like we do, yet without sin. He went through it all and he conquered it all. You know, since we're not worshiping some inanimate object, some idol, since we're not worshiping some distant God that we can't have relationship with and so forth, you know, and, but, and that we're actually worshiping, 
our God who created us, who who sent his only begotten son so we can be reconciled with him and have intimate relationship with him. We, we, we serve a God that cares about us. We, have, we, we serve a God that wants us to know him deeply and intimately. To me, that is awesome. He wants relationship, not just consent. He wants relationship. He wants us, not just compliance. He wants us. And because he regards us with such high esteem, because he wants to know us personally, we can go to his throne of grace. We can come to it, through it, to it with confidence. Knowing that we are approaching a God who loves us. We're approaching a God who wants to be in relationship with us. We're approaching a God who wants to not, who wants to know us and wants to be known by us. He's for us and he wants the best for us. So there should be no fear about coming to his throne of grace. Even if I've been a knucklehead and I've been walking in disobedience and so forth and now I'm convicted and I'm approaching God, I don't have to be afraid to approach him because his posture has always been the same. He's always loved me and he's always wanted me to repent and get back in right relationship with him. That's been his heart for me even when I was walking in sin. So I can approach his throne of grace confidently. I can draw near to the throne of grace confidently that I may receive mercy. You know, mercy, him not giving me the judgment that I deserve. Him not excommunicating me, but inviting me in despite the flaws and issues and and, and, and all the bad things that I've done and so forth. You know what? I can receive mercy and find grace his divine enablement his divine ability to 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 make me stand strong even against the the schemes of the enemy to make me stand strong and and walk in righteousness and not yield to unrighteousness not yield my members to unrighteousness you know what i don't have to yield to alcohol. I don't have to yield to drugs. I do not have to yield to to to, to fornication. I, I don't have to yield to the sins of the flesh. I don't have to yield to the vices that any that, that, that others yield to. I don't have to do that when I'm in Christ. I've been delivered. I've been set free. I'm free from the bondage of sin and death. And by his divine grace, his divine enablement in the spirit, I can walk in the spirit. And fulfill the promise of God on my life. I can be conformed into the image of Christ Jesus character wise. And that is my prayer for you, for, for me, for us all tonight. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father God, that that we have the ability to pray in the spirit, that, that we have the armor of God that you've graciously given us, that if we but put it on, Father God, always constantly praying in the spirit, Father God, then, Father God, we will overcome anything the enemy throws our way. The enemy has no chance against us, Father God. And Father God, it is our heart's desire to love you as we are loved by you. It is our heart's desire to serve you, Father God. It is our heart's desire that we know you and, and love you and make you known. So Father God, give us, convict us by your Holy Spirit. Father God, to pray in the Spirit and to yield ourselves always to your will, to your purpose, to your plan for our lives. Not to be self-centered in our focus. Not to give you our list of to-dos, Father God, because we want our way instead of your way. But Father God, give us a heart that is constantly yielded to you. We may bring requests your way, but Father God, 
We, prayer will not be a one-way communication street for us. We're going, to, we're going to approach you humbly and submissively, Father God. We're going to do it confidently because we know you've made a way through Christ Jesus and by your spirit to your throne of grace. Father, teach us. Teach us how to love you. Teach us how to pursue you. Teach us how to be more desirous of your will than getting our own way. Father God, teach us how to walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, and glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to thank you all for joining in this evening. I pray that you were blessed, that God spoke to your heart uh, through song, through prayer, through the preached word. Uh, uh, God is good. And I just want to bless you guys in the Lord. And I uh, want to say that you guys, uh, the upcoming week, I just pray God's, I pray God's favor and blessing upon you. Uh, COVID-19 should not come near you. Um, and I just declare that you and I, all of us will remain in the secret place of the Most High, um, in the safety of our, of our Heavenly Father in Jesus name. Love you guys. The Lord bless you. Have a great week. Bye.